Good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chaf in Maseches Tainis. Last night, Rabbi Rose said to me, you better get home because one thing I know for sure is Andrew's going to be there tomorrow. Mazel tov, Andrew. Beautiful wedding last night. That was really funny. I actually laughed out loud when I saw your car in the parking lot. Okay. We start 10 lines up from the bottom of Yatesama Bays. Uh, we're going to have a story, okay? You ready, Garanowitz? We'll start with a nice story for you. Okay. This is the story of Nakdimon Ben Gurion. Tanarabanon. Pamachas Alu Kol Israel Regular Shalim. All of the Jews went and they were going to do as Bezat Hashem we will be doing. Olarega. Uh, they all came from all over Kol Kanfei Aretz to Yerushalayim for the Regal. However, it was a time of um, drought and they didn't have anything to drink. So. Nakdimon Ben Gurion went, he was, he was wealthy. He was a Jew. Okay, and he went to a non Jewish sort of Askan, right? Who. Related to David Ben Gurion? Uh, right, is David Ben Gurion related? Well, it's funny you should ask because they did a similar thing. David Ben Gurion was, pre, was very preoccupied with irrigating the desert. Wow. Uh, you know, he had his place in, near Beersheba. And so here, too, Nakdimon Ben-Gurion is also a wow. right, public figure, an Askan, and he is uh, and he's preoccupied with getting water for the Ole Regal. So Amar Lo, Halveni Shtemus Maim Ole Regalim. He wants to borrow 12 wells full of water for the pilgrims. And he's going to return 12 wells of water. So he's going to return the same amount that he borrowed. However, so what is it, what's in it for this, uh, this public, this secular public figure? What's in it is if the water does not fall. If I don't give it back to you within a certain amount of time, they're gonna, we're gonna see what that time frame was. If I don't give you back to you between, uh, by a certain amount of time, I'll give you back 12 talents of silver, which is like 70,000, 72,000 dinarim, which is just, just a boatload of money. He, he, he was going to get a windfall uh, in return if Nakdimon Ben-Gurion was not going to be returning the water back in time. The Kabbalah's man, he said a time. That time was going to be, um, as we'll see, it was, it was basically going to be, I guess, the, the, till the end of that season. Okay. So, sure enough, that time had arrived and the rains had not yet fallen. That's how Nakdimon Ben-Gurion was planning on paying him back, Right. The whole thing was he was banking on HaKadosh Baruch Hu making it rain for Klal Yisrael. Once HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it rain for Klal Yisrael, he'd be able to return it. So it was almost like he was leveraging the schus of Klal Yisrael against this you know, monetary uh, risk that he took. And he said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should hopefully bring down rain and I'll be able to repay the guy. But sure enough, the rains did not come. So B'Shachris Shalachlo, so Shachris of that very day of the deadline, the secular leader sends back to Nakdim Ben Gurion a message. Well, it's time to pay up either the water or the windfall of money that you promised me. So Shalach Lo, so Nakdimon sends back, Well, I still have the rest of the day. All that I have. <clears throat> All right. Fast forward to the afternoon, but Saraim Shalach Lo, so now the leader wants the, the money. So Shalach Lo, so Nakdimon answers, What do you mean? I still have a little bit of time. Okay, now it's Mincha. 
the, you start, the sky is starting to get a little dark. Give me the right water or the money. What do you mean? I still have a couple of hours or an hour. <clears throat> so at this point, the secular guy is laughing. He's mocking him. He's laughing. He says, really? You said you're going to return it if the, if the, the rains don't fall. And all year they haven't fallen. Now, you think the rains are going to fall with an hour left? That's when it's going to fall? So he's, he's, ha- he's happy, he's in good spirits, this uh, secular leader is. He goes into the bathhouse feeling like he's going to get this windfall. And he has right all that money now coming to him. records the Gemara. And uh, by the time he got into the bathhouse so joyfully, Nakdimon Nichnas Levesa Mikdash Kshihu Atsuv. Nakdimon goes down into the base of Mikdash, and now he's going to daven. He is a study in contrast, right? The uh, the per, the parishioner is, or whatever the uh, Askan, the secular leader is in great spirits. Nakdimon not so much. He is Nitate Feomid Vitfila. He wraps himself up, and he is davening. Amar Lefanov, right? They, they used to they used to daven like that. There is a lacha and shulchan aruch about wrapping yourself up when you daven. So Amar Lefanov, Ribanu Shalolam, Galui Ve'Adol Lefanecha Shalolich Vodiasisi says, "Akadosh Baruch Hu, you know it is clearly known uh, to you, Hashem, that I didn't do this for my own kavod. Lolichvod Beis Avasisi, or not for my family's kavod. Elolichvod Chasisi, I did it for you, Akadosh Baruch Hu. Shiu Ma'im Etzuyin Lo'Ale Regalim." After all, who did I do this for? The Ola Regalim. I did it in order to facilitate, right, the drinking water so that people could be Ola Regal, which is a way of increasing Kavot Shemaim. So I did this as Shem Shemaim. So don't, if you're not going to do it for me, at least do it for yourself, so to speak, right? So that, we say that a lot when we dab in Hashem, right? Every day we say, we don't, we're not doing this for us, we're doing this for you. We want, uh, we want to be able to be given the health and all the good things, all the good in order so we can, right, have the strength and could be able to continue to praise Hashem. Anyway, that really uh, did the trick. The, the, the uh, sky became overcla- overcast with the clouds. Right? And the rains came down. And they, they came down all the way till it completely filled the cistern and had some left over. Right, overfilled the wells. Okay, so then what happened? So now he has enough. He has enough water, and he even has a surplus. So now the secular guy comes out of the base of Merchatz. Mind you, he's whistling in this bathhouse the whole time, thinking he's got the big money windfall coming to him. And sure enough, he comes out. And by by the time the, he had come out of the base of Merchatz, Nakdimon Ben Gurion Yatsum Beis Mikdash. Nakdimon Ben Gurion had come out of the base of Mikdash. So now. Now they're encountering each other. Amazingly, Nakdimon says, "Listen, you get you got back a surplus of water. Please pay me the difference for the surplus of water that I've returned, that I've given back to you." Almost a way of saying, "See that I've given you back what I borrowed, and more so." So Amar Lo says the secular leader, the patrician, not so fast. I know that Akash Baruch Hu, right, he, he, uh, sort of disrupted the world order for you. But still, legally, I have a claim against you. Why? Right? I could take my, 
you know, to 72,000 dinarim out from you. Why? Because it might be true that you gave me back my water, but guess what? You missed the deadline by just a bit. It was after Yardu. And when those rains fell, it was falling when it was already back in my possession. And therefore, it's all mine, 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 mine. So the rain is mine and the money should be mine. So Nakdimon Chazav and Nichnas the base of Mikdash had to go back into the base of Mikdash. Atif Balmed Fila wraps again, davens again. Varmer Lafan Rebanish Alolam Hodeash Yeshlacha Huvin Balamecha. Make it known to this person that there are people who you love. Klal Yisrael, you love. In other words, uh, we believe in favoritism a little bit, Andrew. Right? Hakadosh Baruch Hu favors Klal Yisrael. We're considered like they're chosen. Of of uh, Kadosh Baruch Hu. so Miyad is Pazar Avim, and Hashem did find it fit to demonstrate that. So therefore, the clouds dispersed. Zarcha Hachama, and the sun shone through. That's when the secular leader said, "Either lo Nikdero Hachama, had the sun not pierced the clouds, Hayali Pischam I could have taken you to court and said, "Listen, it was after Shkia, and taken the money, but." Now he has no recourse. It's clear as day, literally and figuratively, that he got the rain on time. Isn't that always the case, Goranowitz? It's the Goranowitz Musr moment. You got to keep per- persisting. Sometimes the Yeshua that you think is not going to come, it comes like in the 11th hour. You know, Kadosh Baruch Hu likes our tefillos, Goranowitz. What can I tell you? Satana, so it was taught in a brisa with regard. He likes our tefillos because that has to do with the Tachlis Achaim, right? In other words, what, what are we here to do other than to praise Hashem and to recognize Hashem? Wow. Sometimes you need to be, have, uh, have your feet held to fire a little bit in order to, to do that. Uh, we should be zochah when we say in Ishtabach, right? Um, we, we, we want, we prefer, right? Bashire Zimra. Aboche Bashire Zimra. If, if you have the, uh, attitude and the perspective to give praise to Karsh Barko ahead of time, then maybe you won't have to have your feet held to fire. Wow. <laughs> okay? So you choose to sing the praises of Akarish Baruch Hu. Um, if you could do that independently of, of, of the Tsaras, then that's even better. Anyway, Tana. So what's the name of Nakdimon? It wasn't really always Nakdimon. It was on the, on the account of the story because Nikdura Hama, as the Gemara continues to say, Tana, lo Nakdimon Shmo, his actual given name that his mother gave him was not Nakdimon, ela Buni Shmo. She called him Buni. But now he's referred to as Nakdimon because of this, uh, right? This became his calling card. His, the, the urban legend, the thing that was made him famous was that the sun pierced on his behalf, uh, because of this story. You Beautiful think, story. You think that David Ben Gurion took this thing because of this incident? Uh, that, that could very well be. Uh, Rav Shechter Shlita always used to say that in those days they were Shvacha Apikorsim. You know, you, you know the, the the kind of apikorsim, so to speak, right? That that we claim these secular leaders, uh, you know, that that we used to have in those days. We should have like now, where they knew like Tanakh and Gemara Belpe. Okay, Tanur Rabbanon, second middle sized line. There are three people in Jewish history on behalf of whom the sun, right, was miraculously delayed. Right, Moshe v'Yeshua v'Nakdimon ben Gurion. So he's in really. Exalted company indeed, Nakdimon ben Gurion, right? It's Moshe and Yeshua. As we'll see in the Gemara, Yeshua and Nakdimon ben Gurion, we know Moshe is really the Chiddush, amazingly. L- let's see. Bishleim and Nakdimon ben Gurion, Gemara. I 
Okay, so these are the three guys, Moshe Rabbeinu, Yeshua, and Akdim Ben-Gurion. So I understand Akdim, and we just had the story. That's the tradition. That's the urban legend. Yeshua Nami Kral, Yeshua, also we have a Pasuk, very famously, right, remember, when Yericho fell, and when we beat either Ogmel Chabashon, or um, you know, when we had, when, when we had the, um, the son standing for Yeshua, we already discussed that, um, that, that story in Tanakh, and say for Yeshua. So the son stood for him. asks the Gemara. How do we know that the son stood for Moshe Rabbeinu? You would think, of, of all things, everything could happen for Moshe Rabbeinu. But for that, we need a Gezeir Shavar. I'm a Rabbi Lazar. Asya Achel Achel. It comes from the Gezeir Shavar, the words Achel. Achel technically means I will begin. So Ksiv Hocha Achel Teis Pachtecha. This is in, uh, in Devarim where Moshe is telling Klai so Hashem is going to put the fear in the hearts of all the other nations when they enter Eretz Yisrael. He's trying to give them Chizuk. Right? With regards to Yeshua, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling him, I'll begin, right, to make you great. Or Hashem is telling Yeshua, um, right, that, that I'm going to make you great. Now, so the technical meaning, good question of the word, of the, of the word is, I will begin. I'll begin to make you great, Yeshua, or I'll begin. Uh, so that's a good question. What does the word uh, I'll begin have to do? So, so, so I can tell you one of two things. Number one, uh, it could just mean that the word is kind of superfluous or, you know, Rabbi Yonison Sachschlita always says, uh, he always adds, like he'll say, instead of saying, I'm going to go to Andrew's wedding, he'll say, I'm going to go ahead and go to Andrew's wedding. I'm going to go ahead. It's like almost like a prefix. Uh, so, so to your point, Karanowitz, it's redundant, right? It's superfluous. Yeah. You have an extra word that you don't need. So therefore, what do we do? We take that extra word and we use it for the Gezeir Shava. And that Gezeir Shava creates uh, something that connects these two psukim. And what connects them? Well, just like Yeshua's greatness was uh, really in full view, literally and figuratively, when the sun stood for him, so too, when that extra word that Karanowitz can't, and, and the rest of the world can't figure out exactly why that word needs to be there. It appears in Moshe Rabbeinu's context, it too is talking about the sun standing. If I, uh, if I have time, I'll relate it back to the um, international dateline uh, at the end. Because I, I thought that maybe the word achel even has a connotation that might have to do with the sun. But it's not for now. Okay, fine. I'll tell you a real quick, uh, a, a, a quick version of it, which is the sun, when it stopped, right, so then... What does that do? Does it like restart a creation in a way? Do you know what I mean? Like, in other words, it restarts the day for the whole world. Do you know what I mean? Okay, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's speculation. Okay, so that's one Gezeir Shava that Rabbi Lazar had. Um, Rabbi Shmuel ben Achmeni Amar, a different Gezeir Shava that he learned to learn that Mo- the sun stood from Moshe Rabbeinu as follows. Asya taste, taste. The word taste, which means latet, to put, appears in two different psukim. First psukim is the same with regards to Moshe Rabbeinu. There's the uh, war with the Emorim that Yeshua had. This is in the 10th paragraph of Sefer Yeshua. You'll see that's when the sun stood still. And um, Rashi elsewhere says that it was Og Melech Habashan. But be that as it may, during the war, that's when the sun stood still. And the word Tais is seems also, I guess, um, 
somewhat superfluous, uh, superfluous, and therefore you use that as the Gzair Shava, just like the sun stood at the time of the uh, war, it stood for for Moshe Rabbeinu as well. And the third Shita, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, you can learn from the actual Pasuk. What's the Pasuk? You don't need a Gzair Shava. You have a, a, a straight up Pasuk that says the following, whoever hears of reputation will Fear you. What do you mean they're going to fear you? Why would they have such trembling and fear? When the sun will stay miraculously in the sky, stay still for you. Okay, it's not beferish, but according to Rabbi Yochanan, it was an allusion to the fact that the sun would stand still for Moshe Rabbeinu, just like it had for Yeshua and for Nakdimon Ben-Gurion, as we had in our story. So now we're going to go to the two dots, and our mission is said... As we've already discussed, when you have, right, rain only in Silver Spring, but not in Baltimore, so then that could be a curse for both of them, because Silver Spring has too much rain, and Baltimore has not enough. Rain is not just an issue of whether it falls down, uh, but it's an issue of distribution, as we've already discussed. Okay, so now we're going to talk about, that is Rabbi Yudam Arav learning the Pasuk in its double negative connotation. But we're now going to give four examples, uh, uh, unrelated examples, where there are psukim that sound like they're a klala, and the same mandama, Rabbi Yudam Arav, reads them in a positive way, as follows. Just so you don't think he's a negative ninny, right, that he's taking a pasuk that doesn't sound so bad, and learns it as a double negative. Here, he's learning it as a positive. I was once in sheer, when somebody, some guy who waltzed in, Hershel Shachter Shlita always had interesting people in the shir. So a guy told him, you know, a double negative is a positive, but a double positive is neg- never a negative. Did you ever notice that, Rav Shachter? And I was standing right next to Rav Shachter when without even thinking, he says, yeah, yeah. That's funny, right? Anyway, this is, this was, that one was a, double, uh, was a double negative. Here is something that sounds like a negative, but it's a positive. Pasukin Eicha. Remember that Pasuk in Eicha where it says that Yerushalayim is going to be so desolate, it's going to be like a what? Like a Nida. Right? With an Nida, right? Uh, people don't go near the Nida in, in those days. So that was culturally what they did. So similarly, people don't go near Yerushalayim. However, you could see the inherent bracha in this. Why? Yes, a Nida is in fact, was in fact set aside at the time. However, that is a temporary state. Similarly, Yerushalayim will have a takana, which is to say it will pass and Yerushalayim will be right, populated once again. A second pasuk, Haisaka almana, again an eicha, that it's like a widow. Well, that seems like it's permanent. Amar Yudah Levracha. No, Yudah says you could read that pasuk Levracha as well. How so? Because the pasuk doesn't say almana. It says ke almana. Velo almana mamish. It's not actually an, an almana. It's like an almana because it's desolate now. However, it's elak isha shehalach balalim dinas liyam. It's like a woman whose husband went to medinas liyam v'dayto lachzor leah. Right? It's not really an almana. She's like an almana in the sense that her husband travels, but her husband is coming back. So too, Klal Yisrael will come back to Yerushalayim. Now, a pasuk in um, Mala, uh, in Malachi. V'gamani the third pasuk. V'gamani nasati atzchem nivzim ushfalim. Oh boy, I made you despised and low. What could be positive about this? I'm reviewing the levracha. Why? Because what is going on? They're making us seem like we're lowly, and that 
prevents the secular uh, officers from making us customers, officials, and police officers. In other words, uh, it, it, we're gonna, Malachi says, you're going to be a Nebuch. And Rabbi Yudah says, yeah, we're going to look like Nebuch. So now we don't have to work the toll booths and, and Homeland Security. We get to, uh, you know, do, do whatever other jobs we want to do. And we don't have to worry about them thinking that we're good for those um, not uh, unsavory jobs. Fine. Fourth pasuk, that's in Malachim Aleph. Uh, we're going to say a lot about this. And you've probably heard this before, and this is the source. That Klai Yisrael is going to be like what? Like a reed swaying in water. What is it better, to be a big, strong tree or a flexible little reed in the water? So I'm a review, I'm a rab, levracha. It's a bracha to be just like a reed swaying in the water. It sounds like we're at the mercy of the wind and we're weak and we're short and we're small. Now, this is a great thing. Uh, this is, if you think you don't understand the word here, it's because, you know, it's from Mishle. Mishle can be esoteric. What it technically means is, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, right? While the nishikos, the sonet, the kisses of an enemy, right, of he who hates you, are deceitful. What does all this mean? As follows. Better a klala from the tzadik achia shiloni than a bracha from a rasha. That's what the pasuk means. What was the context? Achia Shiloni Kilan Bekane. Achia Shiloni is he who gave them this call over here in Malachim Aleph. Amalem Le Yisrael. He says to them, Right, Bamaim. The Shem would be, right, smite Israel like a reed. So it sounds like it's a klala, right? Hashem's going to smite us just like these reeds sway in the water. He's saying, It's literally, we're going to get patched. So that sounds like a klala. However, you can read positivity into it because just like a reed stands in the water, the stalks is going to what? It's going to regenerate. The sharash of merubim is going to have strong roots. Every wind in the world could come and try to blow it. It's not going to blow it out of place. It's just going to go back and forth. However, as soon as the wind subside, as soon as the winds go away, Boom, bang goes the reed right back in its place. No problemo. So you see, Kaisrael is and has throughout Jewish history been thrown about, but always regenerating and staying. Baruch Hashem, it's as some have said, right? A proof to the existence of a, of a Baruch Hu, historical proof to, to the existence of a Baruch Hu, the fact that his nation thrives and survives despite all of the uh, vicissitudes of history. So that is the read of a Bilmarasha Birchan Be'erez. Bilmarasha tried to give a bracha, and the bracha was Shinema Karazim Alemaim, right? In his bracha, in the Torah, he compares us to what? Not a little uh, will, uh, reed, but rather a cedar tree. Wow, a mighty cedar tree. So he thinks he's giving a bracha. Ma, however, Ma Erez, but the cedar tree can't stand in a watery place. It doesn't regenerate. Once it's out, it's gone. It doesn't even have strong roots. It's true that usually it looks strong and stout and unmovable. All the winds, if they're ordinary, don't even move it from place, right? And you have an ordinary wind, the reeds are flowing and flapping around. The, the, the cedar are staying strong. However, come the strong 
south wind. Ooh, boy. Bang, it gets uprooted. So, so therefore, it is a klala, right? So it's supposed to be a bracha because cedar wind are very stout. Cedars are stout and strong. But there is a embedded klala because once they fall, uh, it's Hanukkah, right? So it's a dafyomi coincidence. The great Greek, the, uh, Alexander the Great, he died when he was 33, but he, at the time of his death, controlled literally the entire, can you imagine being king of the entire world other than maybe China? But he went all the way as far as England on one side and Pakistan on the other side, right? And India. I mean, he, he was the king of the whole world. And there's nothing left. You go to Greece, there's nothing. It's just a place for college kids to go on spring break. There's nothing there. However, we, who always seemed like we were just a little puny thing, we still survive. Okay. Uh, the fact that we're a reed is not only a sign of our resilience, but the reed analogy is also a Garanowitz Musser moment. It is a lesson in humility. You make yourself small, you make yourself flexible, and you're Zoha to not only sustain, but also out of that, it is what we in fact make a what? A kulmus, a pen, right? That you use for Sifre Stam. So for Muse, a reed, right? A feather pen for Sifre Stam. Lichtabo Sefer Torah To write, Svarim of Tanakh. Beautiful. Okay, bottom of Chafamad Aleph. Tanar Banon, Olam Yeadam Rachikane. So a person should be like a reed, not only in their resilience, but also in their soft. Uh, mannerisms. A person should be flexible, like Andrew was flopping around the dance floor last night. And shouldn't be hard like a cedar. Maisa, here's the story. He was coming from Migdal He came from his Rebbe Shir. Was he in good spirits, Goranowitz? He sure was. Goranowitz always is in great spirits after Shir. He learns Torah, makes him feel good, and, he, and he's happy that he turned on his T-Mobile. So, Rav Shimon is, Rav Lazar Shimon is coming in great spirits. He's on his donkey, on the riverbank, and he's happy, he's happy with himself, as they say in Hebrew, because he learned so much Torah, you see, he makes you happy. So as we turn to Chafam and and he meets a very ugly looking individual. Which both Rashi and Tosfos allude to the fact that this was Eliyahu Navi there in order to right uh, test him. Okay, so he sees this ugly person in order to teach him a lesson. What's a lesson? As follows: Amalo. Why do you have to curse him and make him feel bad? Ah, you're ahead. You're reading ahead. It. What did Rabbi Lazar Shimon do? It's a very good question indeed. He curses well, him. You, you know, when you feel good, you think you're on top of the world. You can, you know, kick like someone that oh. make you feel better. He's really true. So true. He got carried away. He felt he was on top of the world and he lost sight a little bit of the humility that a person's supposed to have and, and he like didn't watch what he was saying. Like he said the first thing that came to his mind, it sounds like, he sees an ugly person. He says, wow, you're ugly. What's up? So Amalof, the ugly person, says hi. Why people think they're so superior to the other oh, human beings? Unbelievable. I feel like I'm on the train. Look at these people going as... Yeah. Why can't I say the, 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 you know, the nice people? Right, so, so this person says to Rabbi Lezim Shimon, Shalom Aleichem Rabbi, he gives them a nice greeting, Goranowitz. So what? So he doesn't say Shalom Aleichem back in the Menshlech way. Rabbi Lezim Ben Shimon does not say it. Rather, Amar Reka. He, he insults him. He calls him an empty one. Yeah, why should he do that? What do you do bad 
So some of the Mepharshim say that he thought he was a hoodlum, that he thought he was about to get mugged. Okay, uh, maybe, maybe, but let's see what we can learn from this story, okay? So he says, Kama so he should say, wow, that dude is ugly. He says, is everybody where you're from this ugly? It's really, it's really a puzzle. The question is a good question. How, who talks like this? So Amalos, so the ugly guy said, you know what? I don't know. You know what? Why don't you go complain to the manufacturer who made me this ugly, which is a way of giving Rabbi Lazar Shimon Musser, who is the manufacturer, if not a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? This is Selim Elohim that a Kaddish Baruch Hu created. He says, you know, you're supposed to be a big gadol. You're telling, you call me ugly. Why don't you complain to Hashem who made me? Wow. That Musser hit home. Came and shiyad about mashachata. Right away, right, the Gemara says that he, he realized that he had sinned. Rabbi Lazar Shimon realized he literally had sinned. He got carried away and he said he, was, he did not do the right thing. And this is really the sign of greatness. Listen, Goranowitz, nobody's perfect. Everybody has their moments. But, but it's when you recognize that you didn't do the right thing. Look how he reacts for a second. Yard Minachamar gets down from the donkey, even he shatech lefanav. Right? He bows down to the ugly guy. I spoke out of turn, bro. I'm sorry. Micholi. Forgive me. I said, guess what? I don't forgive you. He says, you know what? This is when I'll forgive you. When you go to my manufacturer and complain to him that there's a defective, that he made a defective product, tell him, hey, you made an ugly clee. Go tell Hashem that you made an ugly clee. Then I'll forgive you. Whoa. He's saying he shouldn't have been so insulted. Okay. But you know what? Sometimes, it, can you imagine if the God of Ador insults you like that? It can really hurt sometimes. So, here, the, the two are still together, Goranowitz. They're still traveling together. Right? So, the, now they're, now they're, now he's shotgun, right? They're traveling together. Revelazar Shimon and the ugly guy enter Revelazar Shimon's city. So, the people of the city arrive to greet the great Rebbe. Rabbi Lazar, by you Omrim Lo, Shalom Alecha Rebbe, Rebbe, Mayri, Mayri, Rebbe, Rebbe, I Rebbe, how are you doing, Rebbe? Well, how, you, how, how is your trip, Rebbe? Okay, so everyone's Rebbe, Mayri, Rebbe, Mayri. Amr Lahem, the Miatem Karim Rebbe, Rebbe. So the ugly guy says, you, Who are you calling Rebbe? Amr Lazesh, Imitai Lacharecha, what do you mean? Do you know you're traveling with our Rebbe? So Amr Lahem, so the ugly guy said, If that's your Rebbe, there shouldn't be Rebbeim like this. Oh, terrible words indeed. So Amr Lahem, he said, Mipnei Mab, what are you saying? Let me tell you a story. I was just, I said, Shalom Aleichem. I, didn't, I, didn't, I was minding my own business and I was being polite. And he calls me ugly. He says, you know what? You should forgive him because it sounds like a bad story, but nobody's perfect. And he's an ungodly Torah. You should forgive him. Yeah, I'll forgive him on your account. But as long as he promises that he shouldn't be habituated to behave like this. Immediately, Rabbi Lazar Shimon entered the base medrash and he started to teach the following shir, which says, You should all be soft like a reed, not hard like a cedar. Don't get caught up in yourself. You have to be soft, gentle, right? Last night, uh, right, you look, you look, you look at, the, at the rabbis of the shul. I, I, I had the great schus of spending time at the chasana with Rabbi Rose Shlita and Rabbi Howard Shlita. You see the, the gentle, soft, amazing midos of these people. That's how you should be. So it's on, by virtue of the soft, gentle disposition, 
right, of the reed, that is Zoha, to become, right, the instrument with which you will write the Sifrei Torah, Tefillin, Mezuzas. And similarly, we should uh, be Zoha to be soft and gentle and kind to everyone and be Zoha, Bezat Hashem, to brachas in kind. So, so you say, if someone insults you, like I had a few weeks ago, my neighbors insulted me because we had a little argument about the cats. Okay. And, I mean, we have to be like a reed. Yeah, I think so. like a slap in the face, right? I think if you could do that, there's great schuyos await you, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Tavalev bracha. It's so hard, though, to shut up when they really hit you bad. And nobody said, you know, if it was easy, then it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't mean anything. You have to work on it, Goranowitz. We all do, right? So we got, no matter how great you think you are, I'm the greatest in the world. You yeah. gotta just take. Yeah, well, you and I don't have that issue because we don't have any. But Andrew, I don't know how he does it. Andrew, how do you keep that humility? Yeah, we'll he talk about insult Andrew <laughs> and he would walk away. Yeah, he just, he just, it just flows off his shoulder. Okay. Yeah, three lines down. Okay, two dots, three lines down in the wide. Here we go. So we're talking now about pestilence and buildings collapsing. Turn about Apollos, Sha'amru, Brios, Veloruos. We're talking about. In other words, if you're living in a, right, in a community where it's just uh, huts that are dilapidated, so of course they're going to fall. That's not, considered, that's not considered a plague. That's considered bad, right, municipal management. But if you live in a place, we're talking about right? We're talking about those buildings that look sturdy. If those start to collapse, so then you know that uh, Hashem's trying to send a message. So Gemara asks, "Hi Neu Brios, Hi Neu Shainerios Lipol. Why is the Brisa redundant? It says that they're Brios, which means literally healthy, but it really means right sturdy, and that's the same thing as Einan Ruos Lipol, which is not prone to collapse. So why is this redundancy in the Brisa? Hi Neu Ruos, Hi Neu Ruos Lipol, and conversely, when it says dilapidated, it means that it's roy to fall. So what what is this extra wordage? So the Gemara says, "Lo Nitzchad Enafnu Machmatz Guvayu." Yeah, it's two different kinds of things that make you prone to collapse. One. It's due to collapse due to excessive height. Inami, the Kaimana Gudanara, or due to collapse because it's near some sort of river that's eroding away the foundation, right? So, Or alternatively, if you had the dilapidated wall in the Harda, the law of a Khalif Rav Shmuel Tusa, Rav and Shmuel would never pass beneath it, Alpha Gav, the Shnin, even though it hadn't moved and it never fell for 13 years, uh, they would never walk. Uh, underneath it because it always looked like it was about to topple, like the, like the leaning tower of Pisa. Yom Achad, Yom Achad, one day, Ikla Rav Adabar Havala Hasam, Adabar came by, and Amalei Shmuel Rav, Nesi Mar Nakif, let's go, let's detour around the wall like we always do. Amalei Lot Shich Naina. So Rav said to Shmuel, you know what, we have the great Tzadik Rav Adabar Hava with us. When Rav Adabar Hava is around, we have the Shuyos that it's not going to fall. Dika Rav Adabar Hava, Behadon, Dinafish Shusei. Rabbi Baba has such great schuyos, his merit is so great, therefore, now I'm not afraid that the wall is going to fall because in his schuyos, clearly, it would never fall. A story relating to the schuyos of Rabbi Bar Ahava as follows. Ravuna had some wine in a dilapidated house that was about to collapse. He wanted to get the wine out of there before the, everything collapsed on it. So So he did a shtick. He invited Rav Adabar Hava with his, all of his schuyos uh, uh, to be his guest. 
gets him into a Torah discussion just to increase the schus here, and now he's like, yo, come with me, walk with me, let's, look, let's talk Torah. So they're talking Torah, and they're, uh, in the meantime, emptying out all the wine from this dilapidated house. Basa de Nafak, after Radaba, as soon as they finished clearing it out, Ravada Bahava walks out of the dilapidated house, Nafal Basa, the whole thing comes tumbling down. Argish Ravada Bahava, Ravada Bahava immediately sensed why he had been invited as a guest, in order to what? Provide the schus to provide the stability of the house to enable them to get out the wine. He didn't like this. He didn't like being used in this way. Why? Because how do you know that the schus is going to work? Let's see. Ikpad, Ikpad. He did not like this. He took exception to it. Because why? Because he held like Rabbi Yana. He said, you can't just put me in a dangerous, in a, and assume, in a dangerous situation and assume that it's going to be a miracle. You can't just go into dangerous things, and assume that my schus will help me. So what if they won't be? You can't just assume it'll be a miracle. What if it didn't? The house could have collapsed on me. Or perhaps even if he said, okay, so there'll be a nace. Yeah, but on, on what, but why price, right? On account of all my schuyos. Why would I want to use my schuyos, you know, to save your wine or for anything else like that? I, you know, I should have a choice of when I want to use my schuyos, so to speak. How do we know that you use up your schuyos for these nisim? Right? Yaakov Avinu says, Tashem, I've been diminished because of all the chasadim. In other words, he gets out of Lavan's house and scot free, and he's and his midos and his life and his money and all of his sort of like values uh, are intact. But he was hoping that that was not in the right uh, at the expense of all of his chuyos. Fine. So now Ravada Bahava, more things about how great he was. My Ravada Bahava. What do you do that's so great? Some say he asked Rav Zeir about him. Some say they asked Rav Zeir about himself. By what virtue were you zocheh to live a long life? First of all, I never showed anger in my house. Relates back to this idea of being soft and gentle. I never stood in front of somebody that was greater than me. I didn't hang out and think about Torah in filthy alleyways. Never walked down the arms with a torrent fillin. Never fell asleep in the base medish. Not a regular full night's sleep or even naps. I never rejoiced in the stumbling of my fellow. You're not really allowed to rejoice in the stumbling of fellow, but he really means like, let's say your guy, you're doing a business deal and the guy is desperate and so he sells it for you cheap. So a lot of people say, ah, I got him at Sia. I got it for cheap. Nope. He always wanted to be fair. You know, you always wanted everyone to be able to get a good deal and happy. That would be fair for everyone. I didn't call my friend by his nickname. And I was basically respectful for everyone. Some call, say, the last name, because that may have been disrespectful. Okay. So at the minute we have left, You know, Ravuna was the one that brought in the schuyos of Rav Ada Barhava, but be, uh, make no mistake, he himself had tremendous schuyas of his own. I don't remember things about Rav Huna when he was a kid. But however, in his old age, every cloudy day, they'd carry him out in his chair. He would go over the entire city. When he see a dilapidated house that, that, he, that would topple, he would fix it. And then if the person could uh, pay for it, he would, he, would, he would let the master pay for it. And if he didn't have the money, 
so then he would pay for it himself, which is to say he cared about the right, all the houses of Klai Israel. So finish here, eight lines up from the bottom, uh, seeing the schuyos of caring for the public good. And so we have all these public servants here, call me Sheh Oiskin, it's a Chisibar, Karish Baruch Hu Yishalem, Sacharam.